Hey there, this is AJ. I'm so glad you've joined us today on Faith for My Generation podcast. I want to remind you that our vision is to shake and shape a generation with the power of God's Word, and our mission is to create a resource of teachings that build strong faith in God. You know, that really is my prayer, that as you hear this message today, that the power of God's Word, anointed by the Holy Spirit, will stir up your most holy faith in Him so that you can be a light and a witness and a testimony of the living God in this earth. I pray that this message will richly bless you and increase you in spirit, soul, and in body. Now, let's get to the message. Are you ready to get something from the Lord out of His Word? I hope you are. You've got your Bible? You've got your sword? No soldier goes anywhere without his, out his rifle, amen, without his sword. Make sure you got yours. Let's make this confession. When you make it, don't let it just be words falling off your tongue, coming out of your memory. Let it spring up from your heart. Everything we confess, it's all word. I want you to say it. Say it with faith. Say it, believe that you receive it in Jesus' name. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can have what it says I can have. And I can do what it says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess my mind's alert. My heart's receptive. I'll never be the same. I'm about to receive the indestructible, the incorruptible, the ever-living seed, the Word of God, and I'll never be the same. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, won't you shout amen? Amen. amen. Make sure you stay good and warm. Amen. Turn with me to John 16, 23. John 16, Verse 23, past two weeks I've been doing some daytime broadcasts on Gospel Tabernacle, Facebook and YouTube, and they're all up there if you, need to, you want to go back and watch them, I encourage you to do it. It blessed me. I thought the guy that did the studies were pretty good too. <laughs> You're always your own biggest fan, right? Uh, but it, it blessed me. I enjoyed it. I had a good time studying the Word of the Lord. And... Uh, I want to finish up what I'm teaching on, but don't, you know, why did I miss something? No, no, this is a standalone message. This is going to bless you. But I'm, I'm speaking and teaching on today prayer, but not just prayer, your prayer life. Someone say, my prayer life. And I want to share today the power of the name of Jesus in your prayer life. I want us to understand, really get a good grasp and a hold of what it means to pray as Jesus said, in my name. John 16, 23 is where we're going to use as a foundational text today. And if you want to mark it, I'd, I would do that because we're going, to keep, we're going to work our way through this progression of scriptures. But Jesus made this point. He said that when you pray, use my name. Now, um, intrigued minds would say, inquiring minds would say, why? And that's what I want us to answer the question. Why are we to use his name? Why would he command us to pray to the Father in his name? What is the purpose? And how does that get us to the main goal of prayer? The main goal of prayer is answered prayer. Amen? I, look, I'm a, I'm a simple guy. If I flip a light switch, I expect the light to come on. Right? If it don't, okay, is the electricity not working? Is the bulb out? Or as I had to call my father a few weeks, just come flip a breaker, is the breaker off? <laughs> because it didn't look like it was off, but it was off. If I, when I go into prayer, I want to answer. Amen. 
I want an answer. And I cannot afford, think about this, you cannot afford to allow any unscriptural, religious, even if it's been said for 200 years, and bless, you know, bless my grandmother, your grandmother, but just because grandma said it, does it line up with the word? Amen. One day I'll be someone's grandfather, but I still want them to check what I say. Not, well, you know, grandpa said it. No, no, no. Grandpa said this, but it was from the Word. So you want to say, you don't want any unscriptural religious thinking to affect your prayer life because it will rob you of answered prayer. And Jesus, He's going to make it so clear. He intended for you to have 100% answered prayer, not 99.9. Not, unfortunately, some, some believers, some precious Christians who love God, they feel like, well, if I could get one out of 100 answered, that'd be doing good. No, 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 100 out of 100. Let's, let's, let's pray the prayers that Jesus taught us to pray and see exactly today what we're looking at, why it's necessary to pray in the name of Jesus. John 16, 23 is where we're beginning. John 16, 23. And in that day you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly I say to you, whatever you ask. Someone say whatever. Whatever you ask, the Father... In my name, He will give it to you. Who's going to give it to you? The Father. In Jesus' name. Verse 24. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be made full. Now notice that. Verse 24. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Why have the disciples not asked Jesus anything in His name? Because Jesus is there on the earth. Jesus didn't have, the disciples didn't have to pray to Jesus and say, Jesus in heaven, multiply this bread. They were with Jesus. Jesus just did it. Understand what Jesus is saying here. You've not asked anything at this point in the process of in my name, in this legal approach in the courtroom of heaven, if you will. You did not go to the Father in my name, in the access and the clearance of in my name, because I'm with you. But there will be a time, verse 25, these things I've spoken to you in parables, figurative language, but the time is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figurative language, but I will tell you plainly about the Father. Verse 26, in that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I shall pray to the Father for you. Now, we know Jesus. He's our high priest of our confession, and He's making intercession for us in the heavens. He's at the right hand of the Father. He is our advocate. How many is thankful that, for that? Jesus is interceding, praying on your behalf or for you. He's praying for you in addition to your prayers, but He's not doing your praying for you. You understand? You pray, and Jesus prays with you. And that's what He's saying here. In that day, well, what day is that? The day we're living right now. Right now, when we go to, the, go to the Father, we go to the Father in the name of Jesus. And Jesus prays with us, but not on our behalf. Verse 27, For the Father Himself loves you. I want you to say this. Close your eyes when you say this and lift a hand to heaven. Say this. The Father loves me. Say that one more time. Say, The Father loves me. One more time. The Father loves me. The Father loves you. Okay, so why does He love you? Because you've loved me. Because you love Jesus and you've believed that I came forth from God. You believe on Jesus, the Father loves you. Now, I want us to understand this point because Jesus makes it several times. You can see it 
several times. Jesus is saying, when you go in prayer, when you go to the Father in prayer, you don't pray to me, you pray to the Father. But you pray in my name. Now, I want us to cover, the first thing I want us to to get to is this. You can't, and again, I'm I'm coming off of about, I'm long-winded. Most of y'all would know that and probably said amen in your spirit. But I I, I can get, I mean, I was talking to Dad, I said it takes me about 30 minutes just to start off something, you know, let alone get into good teaching. But, um, you know, I'm coming off 11, 12 hours of this teaching. So I understand there's some, I understand there, there are hindrances to prayer. Last Wednesday I talked on that. There's, we looked at 11 different things that will actually stop you getting, from you getting an answer to prayer. So I'm building off this base. But I want you to understand this. You should not ever allow your thinking to be contaminated by religious thoughts that might say something like this. Well, brother, I know Jesus said whatever you ask, but you've got to understand it just don't mean whatever. I just assume that when I'm talking to you, I'm talking to children of God who's been born of God. I just assume that I, when I rehearse the words of Jesus, whatever you ask of the Father in the name of Jesus, He'll give it to you, that you don't run and say, well, bless God, I believe the Lord's going to kill off my first wife and give me a new one. I just assume that, you know, you're not a lunatic. <laughs> How many could say by faith, I'm not a lunatic? Amen? We'll agree with you even if you haven't got there yet. Amen. We're just assuming that we're in the will of God, that we're in Christ. Because you can't, you, you can't. I understand, I understand some foundation for it. I understand there's a scriptural, biblical, you know, purpose that you can't go off reservation and get something from God. What do I mean by that? You can't not live in the presence of the Father, go against His Word, disobey His Word, go against His will, then run to God and say, Lord, I want these things based on my feelings, on my lust, on my desires that don't line up with Your Word. In Jesus' name, Amen. It's not a magic formula. It's not abracadabra, bam, and God says, oh, he said in Jesus' name, I've got to do it. What it is, is a child of God, a born-again believer. The Spirit of God lives on the inside of you. The self-same Spirit, the Holy Ghost, that raised Christ, your Savior and Lord from the dead, makes you alive unto God. Not a lesser spirit, the same Spirit. And the presence and the life of God inhabits you. You are a walking, talking, breathing, moving temple of the Holy Ghost. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid anywhere you go. Because when you go, you're like the Ark of the Covenant in the Old Testament. You're carrying the anointing. And you ever see what the Ark did when it went on the battlefield? It blasted away the enemies of God. Just as a side note, you don't have to be afraid of sickness and disease. You're carrying that indomitable Spirit of God that blasts away sickness and disease. It's inside you. You don't have to be afraid of lack or inflation or what may come. The provision, the El Shaddai, the many-breasted one, the he who has more than enough in every situation is indwelling in you. You're a carrier of the presence of God. You know, some people say, well, you got to pray the power down. No, 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 no. Pray the power out because it's in you. Speak the power out. It's in you. So this is where I'm coming from. And this is very, very important to understand that, you know, you're not just doing whatever, 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 and then tag on the name of Jesus because the prayer won't be answered. Because it's much more, it's much more than just saying, (laughs) I had a funny instance with this exact point, it's more than just you saying a five-letter word, J-E-S-U-S. 
It's more than you just saying Jesus. I, I say I laugh because a few years back, I had a gentleman or a young, you know, young guy about my age, a peer of mine. Never met him before. I was actually at a friend's yard sale, and we was just chit-chatting. This guy came up, started talking to him, and he, for whatever reason, he wanted to start talking Bible, and, and this is what he said. He said, do you know the name, the actual name of the person you call Jesus? I said, yeah, Jesus. He said, you, if you use the English rendering, some people get on this. If you use the English rendering, Jesus, it don't work. You've got to say Yeshua. You've got to get that Hebrew. You've got to get holy with that Hebrew. You, you, I mean, you've got to get way back in there. As if, oh, it's the wrong key. That's why the door won't lock. Try the other key. It's more than just a word spoken. When you pray in the name of Jesus, you're praying, get this, you're praying in His stead as if He were here, praying His will, speaking His word as if it were Him doing it. Some of you probably know this by experience. Maybe you've gotten to a point where maybe it's your parents or maybe you had to do it with your grandparents, but there's this legal term called power of attorney. And what is power of attorney? It's when someone, and it doesn't have to be necessarily when someone gets older and, you know, may, a lot of people do that. It's probably a good thing. You know, hey, if, if something happens and I'm not able to make decisions, I want to designate someone to use my name and make decisions as if it were me making the decisions. And I've signed a legal document. Here's my name. Here's the person. And this person can do anything on my behalf. I may be on the other side of the planet or another planet, a place called heaven. Anyway, I might be on the other side of the planet. But if they come, they can do work and business for me and sign off as if it were me. Power of attorney. And that's what Jesus is saying here. He has given you his name so that when you go to the Lord in prayer, it's as if Jesus is praying to the Father. And when you pray his will, his word, in His name, you get His answer, which is whatever He's promised. 2 Corinthians 1.20, For the promises of God are yes, and in Him, amen, to the glory of God. Now, this is important to understand. It's not, you've got power with God based on your relationship. Someone say relationship. Turn with me to Acts 19. Acts chapter 19. I like this story. Acts 19, verse 13, because it's funny. Lord's got a sense of humor. Acts 19, 13. And it's a good teaching point, too. Acts 19, 13. Paul's working this ministry in Ephesus. He's doing the work of the Lord in Ephesus. There's great, and the Bible says there were special miracles. Some translation says unusual. If you look at verse 11 of that chapter, just right above it, unusual miracles. Thank God. But, you know, I mean, imagine that, unusual miracles. Not just miracles. Miracles in itself is something only the hand of God does. And then Paul was operating at a level which you can get to. Amen. God didn't love Paul more than you. Amen. It was not just miracle power. It was unusual miracle power. Well, so that, that power is being ministered in Ephesus. Then you get these band of brothers over here, these, these jokers over here, verse 13. 
And then some of the itinerant or vagabond, the King James says, traveling Jewish exorcists, took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits <laughs> and saying, we exorcise you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. Come out, ah, glory. Verse 14, and there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest who did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but boys, who are you? Who are you? Verse 16, Then the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them overpowered them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. They, came both, they became known both to all Jews and Greeks dwelling in Ephesus and fear fell on them all and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. Now notice this. They didn't have power in the name of Jesus because they weren't in Christ Jesus. You, if you went through the New Testament, you would see phrases in Christ, in Him, over and over and over. They weren't in Christ. They were not in Him. They didn't know Jesus. They did not know Him. They come to this devil. They see Paul doing things. Well, oh, we can do that too. Yeah, that'd be all right. We know a big bad boy over here that's possessed with devils. We'll go get that devil out of him. We'll do it. We'll take it upon ourselves. How are we going to do it? We're going to use the usual Hebrew mysticism that other exorcists have done, even in the King of Sol uh, kingdom of Solomon in the Old Testament. No, nah, let's try this new magic. What's the new magic? Well, that's this where you say the name of Jesus and things just happen. Oh, yeah, let's try that out. They come up to that devil-possessed person. Ah, Jesus' name come out whom Paul preaches. Now notice what this devil's teaching theology. Notice what this devil says, verse 15. Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but I don't know you. Based on your relationship with Christ, you are known in the spirit realm. The work you do with God in your prayer life, makes you known in the spirit world. You say, AJ, that's kind of spooky. Don't be afraid, because as long as you're in Christ, you won't run away naked and afraid. Amen. <laughs> Amen. And that's a blessing. That's a blessing to me, because if I run away naked and wounded, I'll be embarrassed and lose my dignity. It's a blessing for you, because it'll hurt your eyes. Amen. <laughs> But as long as you're in Christ, ain't no one running away naked and afraid except that devil unclothed from that human body. Think about it. Mark 16. And they will... This, these signs will follow believers. Say, I'm a believer. I'm a believer. You know, what was that old song in it? Monkey's song. Anyway, that's my dad coming out. I mean, singing songs. As a believer, signs follow you. Not because of your works or your own self or what you've done, but because you are in Christ, signs follow. And one of those signs are casting out devils. So we know they weren't in Christ because the sign didn't follow them 
I want you to say this. Say, signs, follow me. But they didn't follow these guys. They had no relationship. You're in Acts. Just turn one, one book over as we, we kind of mine this out. John chapter 1. John chapter 1, verse 12. This first chapter of John, John just had a... It's not that his, it's not what the Holy Spirit spoke through him is better than the rest of the Bible. John just had a different perspective on Jesus than, than the other three gospel writers. Just a different perspective. And the Bible's like a diamond. You know, you, you ladies might have diamonds on your, on your finger and it's cut, right? It has, well, there's different kind of cuts. I remember this years ago when I was looking for, for Laura's diamond. And I told him, I said, get the biggest, best diamond there was. Then they showed me the price. And I said, you know what? She's a humble lady anyway. She doesn't want the biggest one. <laughs> no, I said, look here. I got a budget. Help me out. Come on now. I got to get this woman married to me. I need some help. Give me something, all right? But those diamonds... They have cuts on them, right? They have different, and the light hits them and shines different ways. Same way with Word of God. There's different perspectives. All truth, all connected, but a different perspective. And John had a little bit different perspective here. John 1.12. But as many as received Him, the Him here is Jesus. But as many as received Him to them, He gave the right, the power to become Children of God, to those who believe in His name. Verse 13, who were born, but not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. When you receive Jesus and have faith on Him, He gives you the right, the authority to believe in His name. A Christian has authority from heaven to do on this earth through their prayer life and through the commanding word things that cannot be done any other way. John Wesley, mighty man of God who who really the Methodist denomination was founded after him, but a man of fire and revival... He, I mean, he, he started preaching, and the churches of that day didn't like what he had to say. He was truly a man full of the Holy Ghost and, and power of God on his ministry to where one church he's preaching, they didn't like what he was saying. They run him out. He goes out in the cemetery, and he said, I'll preach to these dead people instead of those dead people that are inside the church. And he stood on the cemetery tombstones and was preaching back to them, and he said, I'll preach to all the dead people. You don't have to keep me in the church. I'll do it out here. He made this statement. He said, it appears that God will do no thing on the earth unless man first praise it. Unless man first praise it. The whole point of authority in Christ is Jesus has redeemed you and brought you back to the place that Adam lost through sin. God said, Jehovah, the triune God, three persons in total perfect unity, said in Genesis 1, let us make man in our own image and we will give him dominion on the earth. Notice not over other people. People have free will. But dominion on the earth. And you've been given the name of Jesus to operate in this authority. Now, 
How do you live in that place of authority? Because that's what it takes to get an answer to prayer. Authority with God. Look at Matthew 8. Matthew chapter 8, verse 5. Are you being blessed? Matthew 8, verse 5. I love this centurion. This Gentile man had a revelation of the kingdom of heaven that all of Israel did not have. And Jesus was just absolutely astounded at the faith of this centurion man. He wasn't a child of Abraham. He was stationed by the Roman army in Jerusalem. But he had faith, or Capernaum. Notice this, Matthew 8, verse 5. Now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. Sickness and demonic oppression. Verse 7, And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. I want you to say this. Say, I will come and heal him. Does Jesus want you well? I'll come and heal you. Remember that in prayer. The centurion is praying. Well, he's, no, 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 he's having a conversation. When you pray, it should be as if Jesus is standing here in front of you, as to, your, to, to, to the side, as if the Father is before you. Think of like a courtroom. The Father is the judge. Jesus is the advocate and the witness who witnesses and testifies of your belief in the Father. And the Holy Spirit, your paraclete, is your lawyer who gives you perfect legal counsel. Now, if you've got all three working for you, how can you lose? And when he pleaded with Jesus, Jesus said, yes, I'll do it. Verse 8, the centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. And he he was right. He's dead in sin. And on top of that, he knows Hebrew custom. He doesn't want to be an offense to Jesus. But only speak a word and my servant will be healed. Now, I've heard a lot of teaching on speak a word. Someone say, speak a word. And it's it's good. Man, that's powerful. There's 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 a teaching here on the commanding word of faith. But I want you to go a little bit deeper this time. Speak a word and my servant will be healed. Why? does this centurion believe that Jesus can just speak a word? Verse 9 tells us, For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. I say to this one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. Verse 10, when Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, Surely I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. Verse 13, then Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour. As I said, powerful teaching. I've heard so much of it on speak a word of faith. And that word goes forward and accomplishes the will of God. And it does. Notice this, when God wanted to send repentance to Israel who was in Babylonian captivity, He spoke to Ezekiel over 50 times and Ezekiel said, the word of the Lord came unto me. When God wanted to save the world, what did He do? And He sent His word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. When God wants to do something in the earth, He sends a word. He has sent His word, amen? But why is it that you can send a word and have power with God. Verse 9, the centurion says, look, I'm an officer in the Roman army. I get authority. I am 
under authority. Someone say under authority. And men are under me. The way you walk in the power of God is being submitted to God. When you live under the authority of God's Word, under the authority of the voice of the Holy Spirit, under the authority of God Almighty, then you walk in authority. It's all about relationship. It's all about covenant. It is those that believed on Him that He gave them the right to believe in His name. This is why when we hit something like John 16, 23, and in that day, when you ask of the Father in my name, whatever you ask, He'll do it. Some people say, whoa, no, it can't be whatever. No, it is whatever. Because I'm under the authority of God. I'm submitted to God. There's a holy thing in the life of the believer where you say, Lord, Jesus, you are my Lord. Have you ever thought about that in Romans 10? It tells us that process of salvation. That when we confess Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart, He's the risen Son of God, then we're saved. Have you ever asked yourself, why is it not confess Jesus Savior? Because a Savior saves. But we don't confess that Jesus is our Savior. We confess that He is our Lord. Because when you say, Lord, I submit to you, He then says, I'll save you. When you submit to the Lordship of Christ, you experience Him as Savior. It's all about connection. It's all about covenant. It's all about relationship. Now, John 16, 24. Jesus makes this point. Up to this point, you've not asked anything in my name. And we discussed that because he was there with them. But he makes this point here. There, there's going to come a time that you will, and he says, ask and you shall what? Ask and you shall what? Ask and you shall maybe get it. Ask and God's like a red light. Sometimes it's red. Sometimes that means stop. Sometimes it's yellow. It means slow down. And every now and then, not when you want it, but when you hate it, it's green and it says go. When he, when he said, wants you to send you to China as a missionary, then he says go. Some people think God's out to get them. I'm afraid to pray. What if he wants me to go somewhere and do something? Living outside the will of God uh, is the hardest thing you could ever do in life. Ask Jonah. He was fish food because he was outside the will of God. If God, look, imagine whatever's the worst place on the planet. If God says go there, I'll be more blessed, more full of joy, more happy there in what men call the worst place in the world than in paradise because I won't be running from God. Ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. God gets glorified when you get an answer, but it also strengthens you. It's not, God never intended for the believer to pray prayers and not get an answer. Because what's the opposite? If you ask and don't receive, your joy is not made full. And joy from God's our strength. Now notice this. What's in a name? 
what was it, Shakespeare? Is it Romeo and Juliet? Or Juliet says, what is in a name? Is a rose not as, I, can't, I don't know exactly the word for word, but is a rose not as sweet as smelling by any other name? That's Western thought. Oh, a name's arbitrary. A name doesn't mean anything. You see it in culture, right? Celebrities, I don't know who celebrates them, but celebrities will name their kids Blanket, Apple, crazy names, right? Child abuse names. Like if I were around you and you didn't have security detail, I'd slap you on behalf of your children. Notice this. Names mean something. Exodus 3.13. Names mean something to God. Exodus 3.13. Exodus 3.13. God's encountering Moses at the burning bush. God's giving him instructions. He has just purposed Moses in the third mission of his life. First 40 years, he's the son of Pharaoh. Second 40, 40 years, he's a son of no one. And the last 40 years of his life, he's a son of God. And he gets his purpose to be the deliverer of Israel. Now Moses asked this question. He had a lot of questions when he gets the call. And, Mo, and, and here's the thing. When you ask God a question, he's always going to give you an answer. Amen. So Moses, he's asking question after question. And this is the question he asked God. He said, Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? Verse 14, And God said to Moses, I am that I am. The New King James says, I am who I am. And he said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Verse 15, Moreover, God said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, The God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial to all generations. God is saying here, when these Israelite folks ask me who I am, or my name, tell them that I am. I am who I am. In other words, what do you need me to be? That is what I am. This is why through the Old Testament you see so many names. You think, you know, you think you you might have a nickname at work or, you know, it's so funny, right? You got someone who's named Jim and he's six foot four and his nickname's Tiny, right? You know, we get weird nicknames for whatever reason. But, but God has dozens of names that he reveals himself to, revealed himself to us. God wanted you to know that he's your healer and great physician. So in Exodus fifteen twenty six, he said, I am Jehovah Rapha. I am your great physician. God wanted you to know that he provides for your needs. So he said in Genesis 22, he said, I am Jehovah Jireh. I am the God who meets your needs. He wanted you to know that you don't have to live in anxiety. And he said, I'm Jehovah Shalom to Gideon when he was pressing wine in Judges 6. The God, your peace. God is saying, I am who I am. And I reveal myself in my name. Think about this. When God comes to Abram, Abram means father. 
but he didn't have no children. You know what? If you're going to walk with God, you're going to have to speak what God says even when the physical natural says the opposite. That's what faith is. Faith is not rehearsing what your eyes see. Faith is commanding what God's Word says is true until your eyes see it. Because God comes to Abram and says, I can't work with Abram because Abram means father. And I'm not just going to give you a son. I'm going to make you a son, a father of nations. And I need to change your name because I can't have you going around talking to people and saying, I'm a father when you're going to be a father of multitudes. So I've got to do something first before you can receive the promise of the word. I've got to give you a new word and I've got to change your name from father to father of multitudes. I've got to take you from Abram to Abraham so that when you encounter people, you declare, who are you? I'm a father of multitudes. I don't see anyone behind you. Thus saith the Lord, I'm a father of multitudes. And today, at this point in Exodus 3, there's 3.1 million children of Abraham. 400 years. Some of y'all think you got a lot of grandkids and great-grandkids. 400 years, 3.1 million children. He did it to Jacob. Jacob's a deceiver and he lived up to it, didn't he? And he wrestles with God. And God said, I'm going to bless you, but I can't bless you till you change, till I change your name. And I'm going to take you from Jacob, which means deceiver, to Israel, which means he will rule with God. He, Jesus did this with Peter. His name was Simon. Simon means hearer. And Peter heard the revelation of Matthew 16, 18, and he rehearsed it to Jesus He said, Jesus, we believe you are Christ, the Son of God. And God said, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I'm going to have to change your name, Simon, which means hearer because you have heard, but you're going to play such an important part in building my church. I got to change your name from hearer to Cephas, which means chip off the old block. Because you got an understanding that I am the rock of ages and you got some of me, so you're a chip off the old block. You're Cephas. Joel 3.10, let the weak say I'm strong. Think about that. Well, I'm not going to say it if it if I don't, you know, if it ain't, I ain't going to say I'm healed when I'm sick. God said, if you're weak, say you're strong. God is saying, receive what I've named you. If you're my child, don't ever feel inferior to come to me in prayer. If I've set my love on you, don't ever have fear because perfect love casts out fear. What is in a name? God is in His name. And that's why the name of Jesus is not just a tag on to prayer. The name of Jesus is Himself. So that when you go to the Father in prayer and say, in the name of Jesus, I believe I'm healed and whole in my body that sickness and disease have no lot in my life. In Jesus' name, I receive it. Or whatever it may be, whatever promise of God. Because Jesus said the same thing. The Pharisees are arguing with him and they say, well, look here, we're the son of Abraham. Abraham had even more sons then. And Jesus said, look, Abraham was glad when he saw me by faith coming to the earth. And before Abraham was, I am. I am. Now, in order to hammer this home as we come to a close this morning, turn to John 11. John 11, verse 21. 
This is so eye-opening. I've never seen this this way. John 11, verse 21. This is the story of Lazarus. Jesus loved Lazarus. Jesus' heart was broken when Lazarus died. Jesus sat at the table of Lazarus. He was friends with him. He shared meals with Lazarus. He knew his family, his sisters, Mary and Martha. And when Jesus gets a word that Lazarus is sick and they think he's going to die, they're believing he's going to die, and Jesus, think of where Jesus is at, he could have walked there in about 40 minutes. He's just a handful of miles away. But Jesus does not go when he hears that Lazarus is sick. Because Jesus told us he only does what he hears the fa- he only does what he sees the Father do, and he only says what he hears the Father say. Jesus knew that authority came from submission to the Father. Jesus didn't just run around on the earth doing whatever he wanted to do. He's God. He is, but he's living this life as a man anointed of the Holy Spirit. Philippians 2, he emptied himself of who he is as God to become a man and dwell among us. And therefore, the only way he gets miracle working power to flow is to obey. Now, John eleven twenty one. 21, at this point, Lazarus is dead. Four days. Someone say four days. In Hebrew understanding, they give everyone that dies three days because they do believe in resurrection. And they think, if he's going to come back, it'll happen in three days. But four days, he's not just dead. He's dead, dead. That's when Jesus goes to see Lazarus. John eleven twenty one. 21. Now, Martha, she sees Jesus coming, runs out to meet him, says to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Why does she believe that? Because she knows Jesus as the healer. Lord, my brother was sick, and if you had been here, he would not have died. Because I know you can heal. You must know, the na- you must know Jesus by his name. What do I mean by that? It's more than just saying the name of Jesus. It's knowing who you are calling on. You need healing? Jesus, I believe you're my healer. Provision, Lord Jesus, you're the one that multiplies five loaves and two fishes. You can multiply this situation into abundance. You've got to know him based on the need you need met. Verse 22, Martha says, But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Notice, a lot of people in prayer, we're talking about answered prayer, a lot of people get to this point. Martha had hope. Someone say hope. But hope lives in tomorrow. And here's the bad thing about tomorrow. It's always a day away. Faith is now. Martha says, I know you can do whatever you want, but that's not how you go to God in prayer. You come to God with a specific petition. You need something specific. You need a specific answer. You ask a specific request. Jesus proved this with blind Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus runs up to Jesus, calls him by a prophetic name. Have mercy on me, son of David. And Jesus says, what do you want? Jesus knows, can see he's blind. The moment that Bartimaeus No offense, but the moment Bartimaeus started coming to him, two reasons. He had a beggar's coat on, so his outward clothing said, I'm a beggar. But he's blind. It's not like he can walk in a straight line where Jesus is at. He's feeling, he's groping, he's trying to get there. And Jesus says, what do you want? And Bartimaeus says, I want to see. And Jesus said, I can answer that. 
Verse 23, Jesus makes this point. Jesus said to Martha, your brother will rise again. And now look, I'm not going to be hard on Martha. She's only got old covenant. Martha said unto him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection. And I am the life. And he who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the anointed one, the Son of God who has come into the world. And then what happens? Verse 43, Now when he said these things, Jesus cried with a loud loud voice, Lazarus, come forth! Jesus is making a point to Martha. Martha says, yeah, I know know Lazarus will live again because I believe in the resurrection. I believe in the resurrection of the saints. I know that will happen. And Jesus says, I am the resurrection. We know that when Christ comes to rapture the church, who's ready for the rapture? You ready? You prepared? I I mean, we ain't taking up a busload right now. Don't be afraid. But just be ready, right? Be ready. Live ready. Like that young boy said, an evangelist, he asked the whole church, who's ready to go to heaven? Everyone raised their hand except the young boy on the front row. He said, he must not have heard me. Who's ready to go to heaven? Bless God. And the boy's still sitting there. He said, son, aren't you ready to go to heaven? Oh, at some point, but I thought you was taking up a busload right now. I figured I'd wait a little bit longer. The resurrection of the saints happens when Christ raptures the church. The Bible tells us the dead in in Christ will rise first. Catch this. You've made it this far. Don't miss this point. The resurrection of the dead is not a date on a calendar. There's not a heavenly calendar in the throne room of Father God. And he says, Jesus, see this day? That day is the resurrection day. That's when we resurrect the dead and take all the living and we bring the church back to us and the earth goes into tribulation so that we can rectify and make everything right and build our kingdom on the earth and a thousand-year rule and reign. That's not what the resurrection is. That happens in Scripture. The reason the dead in Christ will rise first is not because it is a date on a calendar. It is because He who is resurrection power gets close to these dead saints' bodies and those bodies have no choice but to come up out of a grave. It's not because it's an event. It's because He who is life came into the planet. And all the bodies of the dead saints, they burst out of the grave and come up. And they can't not stay in the grave. They can't stay bound by the grave anymore because they've been let loose because life has just came into the earth. Woo, Jesus! That's why you can live strong and whole in your body. Because I'm not getting help from God. He who is health lives in me and makes me alive. John 11, 11, Jesus tells the disciples, the disciples say, we're going to go, Lazarus is dead. Jesus says, he's just sleeping. Don't prematurely give a death certificate to anything in your life. It may just be sleeping for a moment. But when the resurrection and the life show up on the scene, that which is sleeping and what other people call dead will be made live again. 
you got a dream, you got a mission, you got something God put in your heart, it may be sleeping. Don't prematurely count it as dead. Speak life into it so that when the resurrection shows up on the scene, He makes it come alive again. You got a marriage and you want to call it dead? Oh, it's just sleeping, honey. Command that thing to be made alive by the resurrection power of Christ so that it will come back alive. The book of Isaiah says, Awake, O sleeper. Awake, O sleeper. That's what I want to say to the church in America. Some people want to say the church in America is dead. It's just sleeping. But awake from your slumber, church in America. Grow a Holy Ghost backbone and see the wonders of God manifest in our nation. Don't call it dead. Don't speak what people who have no faith speak. Command life and power. Because when the resurrection and the life shows up, death must leave. What's in a name? God is in His name. Jesus is in His name. Authority is in His name. Matthew 28, 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All power, all authority, all right from the Father is given unto me in heaven and earth. And then what did He say? Go. Because in that day, you won't ask me anything. You'll ask the Father, In my name, and whatever you ask, of the Father in my name. He will give it to you because He loves you, because you love me. He loves you because you've loved Jesus. We're going to finish here, Philippians 2 9. Philippians chapter 2 9. Philippians chapter 2, verse 9. Therefore God has highly exalted Him, Jesus, and given Him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven. That's authority with God. Of those on the earth... That's authority with man. And those under the earth, that's authority over the kingdom of hell. That every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The name that you've been given carries authority with God to do work with God, to stand on the behalf of God on the earth, to speak His Word, His will in His place so that He will answer your prayer. The name you've been given gives you authority to have favor not just with God, but as Jesus had, favor with man so that you can have and do and have dominion in the earth. And it gives you authority that where you can come into a situation and pray the will of God over a family member over a co-worker, over children, over parents, and see the power of God influence and invade their life. What is prayer? Prayer is earthly license to have heavenly interaction and heavenly innervation. It is giving God, Lord, here's the clearance. Here's the right. Here, come into the earth. Do your will. I believe you'll do it. You've been given a name that is over those names in, under the earth in the kingdom of hell. Don't you be afraid of a devil, a demon, or the one in charge, that old fool Satan. Because the earth will look and see when he is cast down and they will say, 
This is the one who deceived the nations. You have been given the name of Jesus to do the work of Jesus on the earth. So what do you do? Romans 10, 13, you call on the name. Now, that application is talking about salvation. But what do you do when there's something in your life that does not line up with the word? Call on the name. Healer, provider, sustainer. You don't have to be bound up by sin, amen? You can live holy even as God is holy. Lord, you're Jehovah Mekadeshkim, the Lord God that sanctifies me. You set me apart. You sever the bonds of sin. That I've been translated from darkness into marvelous light. I'm holy even as you are holy. Not my work, but the Holy Ghost working in me. You call on the name. Someone say, I call on the name. Say, I call on the name. Say, I call on the name. Stand up on your feet in faith as we go before the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before You, God, and we thank You, Most High God. You are our Father in heaven. We bless Your name, Lord. Just begin to magnify the Lord. Just begin to worship Him. He is seated and enthroned in the praises of His people. The moment you begin to praise Him and worship Him, His presence endues you with power. His Spirit overcomes you with power. He that is within you flows through you. Just begin to worship the Lord. Begin to confess who He is to you. Lord, You are a healer and You make us strong in our bodies, God. You are a provider. We lack no good thing because we seek You all the days of our life, Lord God. You are our strong tower. Therefore, we're not fearful. We do not fear, Lord, what man can do. For You never leave us nor forsake us. You never leave us nor forsake us, Father God. We bless You, Lord. You have given us a name which devils in hell tremble to hear, Lord God. You've given us a name that makes sickness and disease flee, Lord God. You have given us a name that brings forth the will of heaven into our earth. We thank You for the name, Jesus. We thank You for the name, Lord. If you're here and you need to make things right with God and you want to believe in the name, or if you're watching online, not by accident, but the Lord led you here, and you need to make the name of Jesus the name of your Lord, not the name of some other Lord of this earth, now's the time to do it. The Bible says to teach us to number our days that we might apply our heart unto wisdom. There's nothing more wise than to know that this life will end, but eternity begins, and there's two places to live, heaven or hell. If you're here, if you're online, it's this simple. Jesus says, call me Lord and believe I am who I am, who I say I am, the risen Son of God. I want us to pray this prayer for those listening, those here who need to believe that. Let's pray this together. Say, Father, we come to you in the mighty name of Jesus. We confess Jesus, Lord of our lives, commander, master, the supreme, of our lives and we believe he is who you sent him to be who he says he is the risen son of God and his resurrection power is in me making me a child of God Lord I thank you you give me 
the right, the authority to believe in His name. We believe in the name of Jesus. Now pray this prayer. Say, Father, I thank You. You've revealed Your will to me in Your name. I thank You. All my needs, they are met. Spiritual, soulish, physical, relational, in our church, in this nation, in the name of Jesus. We thank You for power with You to walk fearlessly, never to fear, but to go forth as who we are, the victorious body of Christ, to go forth in the name of Jesus, the name above every name. In Jesus' name, if you believe it, shout amen, lift up a hand clap of praise, give God a hallelujah, for He's given us His name. Hallelujah. I love you. God bless you. God bless. Hey, I want to say thank you for joining me on this episode of Faith for My Generation podcast channel. Please do us a favor. Leave a five-star review. It helps us get this message of the gospel and the word of God out in front of more people. It really does help. And until next time, remember, we are the faithful. God bless.